Um, continuing on, how do you respond, uh, Amy, when you implement something to be more inclusive and open to people in worship and someone speaks negatively to you about it? So anytime somebody brings a critique or criticism, I try to thank them for expressing their thoughts, um, as long as it's expressed respectfully and they haven't just called me like a stupid lib or something which has never uh, happened in a church setting, but some other, you know, as long as there are no accusations uh, flying from the get go, I think that the person should be thanked for just expressing the way they feel and, and validated for the fact that their feelings are real, the concerns are real, and they're bringing this hopefully with a genuine heart. So part of creating inclusion is preparing people and loving them through the difficult work. And it's not, I don't think, inclusive at all to dismiss people um, because they just don't understand something right away. And one introverted elder might respond really well if I say, here's a book about that question. And someone else might be more of a, an extrovert who likes to think as they have conversation, which by the way, I feel most comfortable with myself. So I'm happy to sit down and have that conversation. Um, so kind of figuring out, is this someone that's going to respond better if they can wrestle with this privately, if I can equip them with some resources or would they like more time for me to sit down and talk this out? Uh, if we've already built good relationships with our church members, our church co-workers, staff members, elders, um, that relationship that exists outside of political debates or policy discussions uh, can help us to have a better conversation. Relationships and trust with people are gonna be the foundation for how to serve and help all of them. Uh, yes, the longtime church member that is uh, you know, wealthy, straight, white, cis, whatever, whatever descriptor, um, it's important that we have that relationship so that we can operate from a place of trust and not judgment or suspicion. We are all members of the same church, serving one Lord, one baptism, 
Christ's unity and the Holy Spirit, and we're all reforming together. So bodies have growing pains and they don't always grow. Even body parts don't always grow at the same rate, even if uh, it's the same part on a different side. And in, in yoga, we talk often about how one pose might feel very differently or have more of a challenge on one leg than the other leg, just as an example. So we are the body of Christ and this body also experiences those growing pains too. Absolutely. That's a fantastic point. All too often, I, I wonder if we don't try and look at the body of Christ as a perfect thing, forgetting that it does have growing pains. It does go through its pubescent stages. The, ch the church is not ever going to be perfect. It will have its midlife crisis at some point. And that's it. Those are, those are fantastic points. Thank you. I would, I want to add that we would extend those um, services, I suppose, that service to anyone in our congregation or family member that we really love. Um, if I see an older person having trouble standing up from their chair in the choir loft, um, and that's more than a one-time thing, I don't care how much money they have. I will make sure, or how, how wide they are, how straight they are. Uh, I will make sure that they have a chair with arms. On. We have chairs in our sanctuary that some have arms on the side that help people um, have a place to grip uh, and, and get some strength as they stand up. I will make sure they have that chair. You know, we, we would do that for anybody that we love. And it's not about political correctness. It's about respect. Uh, it's not always easy. I have trouble sometimes remembering, uh, even if I'm only thinking of, for example, our retirees who make up the biggest population, um, there are going to be various health issues. And so, um, for example, remembering that so-and-so might need to be reminded of something a, a couple more times um, because their memory is just not always what it used to be. Um, there, it can be hard to remember so-and-so is not going to be able to receive a text message. They don't have a cell phone. Um, so I need to email that person. Okay. But it's still, it's still important work, even though it may, may be hard to remember all the time. Um, we already had at our sanctuary, a handicap accessible single stall restroom that was available to all genders. And like we said previously, this can apply to many situations that aren't necessarily viewed as political right now, but the Americans with Disabilities Act was not always popular. Um, there's always no. pushback when more <laughs> effort and expenses required or asked. Yeah. Oof. So That's even that. if it's a pain to purchase the large print hymnal, um, our churches wouldn't be the same without each person participating in the body of Christ. So just as we made our bathrooms ADA compliant, uh, as the legal system realized that this was truly very important, um, I hope that areas that are viewed as more political will just become seen as um, an ordinary grace that we can show to people. Ooh, I love, I love that. Just an ordinary grace. Wow. I wonder how often 
we put a qualifier on grace in the way that we make things inaccessible where we don't seek accessibility. Um, wow. Thank you for that. that. That little beautiful gem of a statement. Thank you. Um, I also try really hard to point people to good resources because like I sort of said before, I don't think it's fair to expect somebody to know something on their own when there's so much misinformation out there. So if, if we tell the church elder, well, you can find that, uh, you, you, you can look that up. Just, just go find that. Um, and it's about a really important issue, like, uh, issues of racial equality, or they're asking about why the PCUSA is involved in reparations. And I say, um, oh, well, they've explained, you can read about it on their website that, well, if they're looking up reparations online, you're going to find so many different perspectives and so much information that is twisted in a certain way with a certain agenda. And um, I don't think it's fair to expect someone to to even find information that's accurate in this day and age, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's a great point. Um, I just thinking of, of reparations, there's a, a brand new book that someone point, uh, pointed out to me recently that is called, uh, not stolen. The reason why we didn't, uh, take this land from the native Americans or indigenous people. And I, and that was one of the things that came up when they were Googling, um, mm. stolen land and, so that was that is a great point that as as leaders and as people working to be more inclusive we need to vet the information that we get so you know we as as master's level students or graduate uh, students we know that you can't just go to wikipedia and you can't just trust the first thing that pops up on google scholar you have to double check that versus something else you have to see what their sources are do they actually have sources um, that's a, a great point about misinformation even at the uh, state government level or the federal government level they have lots of misinformation there was a interview that john john stewart has a series on apple tv right now and he was interviewing the attorney general of north dakota i believe it is where they had stepped in and stopped legislation that they touted um, something opposite of what the national data showed. And the, they did not have a verifiable source that they could give in the interview that lined up with any actual data. And so even listening to the TV or to trusted quote trusted news sources it is best to double check that against other sources perhaps from the opposite side but also as leaders make sure that we have handy things that we have vetted already as well yeah gosh thank you for bringing up that example it's scary the the keywords that people use to drive the search engine towards certain resources or i'm saying resources with scare quotes um 
And, and I do want to just very briefly mention that uh, that is especially a, a huge issue with the transgender uh, community because the ideas that people have about hormone replacement therapy or gender affirming surgeries, um, people think that it is so easy to access or that uh, kids everywhere are just, you know, you can go to your school nurse and get some hormone replacement therapy. And that is j just, I mean, beyond untrue has never been true. Um, and and I've, I've encountered uh, a lot of misinformation, particularly about uh, transgender issues most recently. So I just want to make sure that I name that because I think it's so important to acknowledge. Absolutely. One of our colleagues uh, going through Dubuque Seminary with us um, is a transgender person and recently talking to them just about their experience as an adult seeking those treatments, they are having to educate their own, quote, advocates and people just uh, that are supposed to be helping them in what the truth and reality of those things are. And that is the misinformation load is very much overweighted on the side of those who are transgender than um, than on, like for me, a cis white man, that should not be their job to educate me on the realities of that. So that's, that is a great point. Misinformation is something that harms those uh, disproportionately in, in ways that are just entirely unfair. So thank you for naming that. Um, this kind of leads into my next thought, and, and that, that is there is pushback uh, that I've heard to the idea of being inclusive, and I have received that in different places that I have worshipped and helped lead worship, uh, whether that is multi-ethnic worship services, disability accessibility, gender inclusivity, uh, etc. And, and that goes something to the effect of, is this biblical or cultural, which is something that I despise as an argument um, and, and briefly that's because everything that we do is culturally impacted western worship is called western worship because it's different than eastern worship but that perhaps is an episode for another day uh, but is this biblical or is this cultural trying to indicate like is this based in the bible or is this based in secular movements um, which I have often seen in the white evangelical space quite strongly at this time with the white nationalist groups that have a lot of um, TV time. What are, your, what are your thoughts to this? Do you feel inclusivity is a trend or living into our biblical heritage? Yeah, so when I grew up reading the Bible and hearing the stories of the Bible, I was experiencing from start to finish this encouragement of, of love for the immigrant, the alien, the outsider. I mean, we were adopted into the family of God as children of God uh, by Christ. So um, across both Testaments, there are so many narratives or parables directly from Jesus himself, uh, where this theme of inclusivity is really apparent. So 
I think the overarching theme of scripture is more important and, and, and uh, more, more valued to churches than cultural trends. Ultimately, it's a matter of trust and whether we trust our church, you know, fellow Christians and our, our leaders at the church who are also Christian siblings in Christ. So, you know, that's, it's one thing if a pastor actually says that we should create gender inclusive bathrooms because it's in vogue or like, this is what everybody's doing right now. Um, I've not encountered that before. And my hope is that church pastors and session elders are acting based on their convictions, but either way, it's not my place to decide. If someone's telling you that they are working on inclusivity in worship in order to better live out the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think we'd better believe them. I think when we start judging people's hearts, we are like standing on earth, stargazing, and God is like the Hubble telescope, and we're trying to see something that is just beyond our perception. Wow, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that leads to what could be its own entire series, right, is our understanding of God. And that is something that um, you mentioned, uh, Dr. Elmer Collier, uh, a great doctoral, uh, or not doctoral, doctrine um, theologian, just on these different things. And that uh, he has opened my eyes a lot to what narrow perspective we can have on who God is. But I think that's a great point that you're making. Stargazing when God is the Hubble telescope, that is that's a great analogy. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. So, yeah, I feel very strongly that that there is lots of biblical ground to stand on as we work on our inclusivity. And if you're listening to this podcast and wondering why your church has decided to take a certain direction or um, someone that you know and love goes to a church that is inclusive in ways that make you feel uncomfortable or anxious, I would encourage you to ask for resources um, just to get a better understanding, not, not as a uh, let them try to convince you why they're right, but just to better understand why they're doing that thing, <laughs> why they're doing that thing they're doing. And if someone, a teaching or ruling elder especially, seems really uninterested in giving any explanation for what they're doing, the decisions they're making, I think that's a red flag in any context. Um, regardless of what those decisions are. And especially part of creating an inclusive church is, like I said, education and equipping and empowering people. So with really sensitive topics, I think church leaders um, are accountable to providing some guidance. Absolutely. Um, that's a great point that if they're unwilling to talk about it, that's a red flag. All too often we allow churches to be run like corporate entities and we allow leaders to uh, hold the privilege of claiming everything is privileged to them and there are certainly some things where it falls within privacy or um, right like you can't share that someone is not at church because of something related to what would be a HIPAA violation uh, for you to share but in policy changes and in things like this, you absolutely deserve an answer and they absolutely 
ought to be held to the accountability of explaining and uh, providing resources as to that policy. So, thank you for raising that that point. Um, there is some issue I have with how individuals handle inclusion into a community. Um, that problem, if you will, is that people have skewed ideas or understandings of a Christian identity. Um, and this is increasingly so right now in this political time here in the United States as we see book bans, book burnings, anti-trans uh, and queer uh, LGBTQ plus um, laws and even going backwards on agreements and inclusion for Native American and people of color and, and so many other things. And it, it feels akin to another time. So like Hitler's Germany is an easy target here. The Nazi Christian identity is that of whites only, the best of the best whites. So there was no room for a gospel of love outside that and becoming more distorted from there. Um, how do you see the issues of inclusivity compared to the, the Western or American Christian identity? So in full disclosure, I have studied music and religion primarily, and neither of those contribute to an especially deep knowledge of history. But I know what I read in the gospel, which as you say, is a gospel of love. And there's this wonderful resource that I think addresses your question. Um, and I think we can definitely put a link in the show notes. It's called the Pyramid of Hate. And it was published by the American uh, Anti-Defamation League. So uh, this pyramid shows behaviors that kind of grow in complexity from the bottom to the top that have bigger consequences for minorities or marginalized people. So it could look like um, starting in a church where there just aren't any queer people and there are policies maybe against having a same gender wedding, uh, maybe policies against having a baptism of a child if it has parents who are of the same gender or it could escalate all the way to the church um, appearing at rallies of uh, protesting gay rights or going to a pride festival and protesting that. And as we make our way up the pyramid, some of the greater extremes, uh, like I'm afraid we are seeing right now in this country, if we make it so that transgender people can't access gender affirming healthcare, um, then they cannot survive as transgender people. And, and we can commit genocide and erase essentially entire communities if we continue climbing up that pyramid of hate. Uh, so it's sort of like a scale all the way from eugenics at the top to like, well, not in my backyard. Or if they don't like it, they can leave. On the other hand, I think that there's also a scale of inclusivity. Um, in, um, in different churches, you could have a level of tolerance that I mentioned earlier when I applied at different churches and I heard, sure, we'd hire you uh, or other churches that 
have a staff member who comes out and they don't get fired. Um, that's maybe some tolerance, right? But that's not the same as inviting the staff member's spouse to church or the holiday party or really engaging with them and befriending them. There's also affirmation where you've made a clear, inclusive marriage policy and it's easily accessible and available to anyone. Um, finally, there's celebration. We, I re feel like we just recently celebrated um, a family that might have been mar marginalized in another church setting because we had a baptism for uh, the infant daughter of a same gender couple or when we celebrate a wedding. Uh, there's, of course, many other ways besides LGBTQ plus issues where people in marginalized groups can feel and be truly celebrated. Um, if we have tangible structures in place that provide support, such as accessible bathrooms or multi-gendered depictions of Jesus or God in our churches, um, those are all ways that we can help somebody to not only feel tolerated, but accepted, affirmed, even beloved. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for, for sharing all of those. And there, we will, I will, I will probably put an article up on the Pondering Theologian website outlining more of these resources so we can make sure that you get uh, access to the Pyramid of Hate and whatnot. Uh, dear listener, so that you can be up on all of this stuff. Um, in light of all that's been going on here in the United States as of late, with the fast rise of anti-drag, anti-trans, anti-queer health laws and legal initiatives, what do you feel are some starting points or places to start getting involved for someone like myself, a, a cisgender affirming Christian, start moving towards more inclusive church movements? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. Uh, as we're working together to embrace the wonderful fullness of God's creation, we also get to embrace the work of welcoming people into the family of Christ, into our family. I mean, we're Christian, so that is our own family. And some of the starting points for those uh, places where we can grow our inclusivity, I think are going to be our committees at our churches, uh, especially, you know, as we talk about worship, that might be the worship committee, but uh, an issue about accessibility for rooms could be the property committee. So getting involved in the, or, you know, the admin committee or administrative, some kind of finance committee is typically going to have the authority to expand maternity or paternity leave policies to staff members. So plugging into various church committees, depending on your interest, um, we have at our church a Matthew 25 and earth care team that deals with our earth care certification. So that's a certification Presbyterian churches can receive from our denomination if they comply with certain um, suggestions for uh, mitigating climate change. So we outfitted our church with certain types of lighting, or we've mentioned in our sermons, uh, the importance of creation care. Those are all um, suggestions that the denomination has. So we've got a team specifically 
to, to address that. And if that's your interest and in joining that team gives you a place to speak and make your voice be heard. Um, if you are an elder on your session, if you go through that training and give up that time, then you have the ability to be in the room where there's important decisions being made uh, about the polity of the church, about the, the marriage policy, or um, whether we'll have name tags or pronoun buttons in the church narthex. Those are the groups that decide those nitty gritty decisions. I always want to let people know it's not, or it shouldn't be, a very small group of people making these decisions in the shadows. The way the Presbyterian church is structured is like you have these different groups that are working as teams and are accountable to larger governing structures. So there should be openness and a way for someone to get plugged into a team and, and start shaping um, the life of the church through their perspective. Um, there's also presbytery committees. So if you're not happy with your own, and I'm saying you as in the, the universal you, if you're looking at your Presbyterian, you're not happy with their uh, inclusion or, or lack thereof. And there are absolutely ways you can get involved. We're always looking pe for people, at least in our Presbytery, to fill our committees. So um, those, are, those are ways that you can speak to that. Um, the organization that I work for, the Covenant Network of Presbyterians, is an organization that offers resources to churches. Um, so on our website, covnetpres.org, we have a, a button you can click called resources where you can find, um, like I've put together a guide for churches that want to appear at a pride festival and maybe have never done that before. So they're like, how do you even set up a church booth? What kinds of activities or uh, offerings should we have? Um, that would be something that the Covenant Network could maybe help a church walk through. If you're looking for a church website to be more explicit in the inclusion that it states, maybe looking at other church websites to get some examples or some ideas and inspiration. Um, there is a resource that I especially want to highlight, particularly from the PCUSA, called Well Chosen Words that like anyone can appreciate and, and enjoy this resource. It's not just for like pastors or ruling elders, but this resource called Well-Chosen Words gives a lot of ways that we can find examples of inclusivity in scripture and speak to our siblings in Christ in just more inclusive ways. So I would highly recommend that folks check that out. Yeah, and we will, um, like I said, I think it'll be more of an article now linked over to the uh, to, to my website. Um, but we will, we will get something put together with all of the links and the resources and, and, and whatnot for this. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I also think a lot about mental and physical health um, just challenges that, that Christians can help address. So the question of, are we serving alcohol or commu at communion? Or do people that uh, try to practice sobriety, are they going to be able to participate? Is there going to be a gluten-free option for people that have that dietary need? Um, when we are talking during Lent about, you know, what we're going to give up, 
are we making a lot of jokes about cutting calories and dieting? Are we turning it into um, more of a weight-centered practice than really what Lent is intended to be, like a time of getting closer to God? You know, that's, some, that's one area I haven't talked about too much today so far in our conversation. And sometimes that can also get overlooked language about food and size in our churches. Yeah, absolutely. We have not uh, touched much on the mental health side of things either, but that is another way that we can work to have more inclusive language. And that is a uh, something that I've addressed a little bit in the past of episodes with uh, talking psych with Dr. Raz. Dr. Razdale uh, advocates a lot for those sorts of mindfulness, but that is, that is a great point to bring up. Thanks. Yeah. And as we continue evaluating our worship spaces, um, there are a lot of good materials out there that speak to accessibility. So uh, the Covenant Network is working on a resource for churches uh, to help if someone comes to you and says, why do we have, you know, gender neutral restrooms, then uh, we're putting out a resource that you could just easily hand them something uh, to to help them understand that a little bit better. And right now, the UU already has resources. The Unitarian Universalist Church has really great resources for that. Um, and there's also... Uh, person, I guess, personal resources we can offer. Like, um, I think this does touch the issue of mental health uh, in in a way. We at our church have some not only greeters available to just welcome people immediately as they approach the church, but we have some folks who really feel that it's a ministry to offer their presence if a single visitor comes into the church and. Because we don't know, you know, they could be uh, an unmarried person without kids that lives alone. They could be um, a mom with kids at home and a husband at home, none of whom practice their religion. So there is a number of situations in which someone or maybe a, a widow who's recently lost their spouse might really appreciate and feel more welcome and feel more at peace and um, at home in the church space if they've got someone sitting with them. Um, so we've got, we've got that uh, small, small ministry opportunity at our churches. Just one way that we can be present with people and offer them that, that gift, include them in that way. Um, the Presbyterian Mis Mission Agency also has a really wonderful, um, they call it a disability inclusion toolkit. And this toolkit is a really good starting point if if you're thinking, gosh, it, it never occurred to me before that some of our kids in worship might have autism and might be um, having sensory issues with loud music. Uh, if, if your church has a bombastic organ or a bombastic praise band, uh, where can we make the space more inclusive of people with sensory um, sensitivities? Wonderful points. Absolutely. Bombastic organ. I love that. Um, not to sidetrack here. Do you have uh, any other resources that you can highlight for us at this time? Yeah, I would uh, 
generally point people also to the Presbyterian Mission Agency. Uh, and there's this wonderful article. Uh, it's by Eric Carter, and it's called A Place of Belonging, Including Individuals with Significant Disabilities in Faith Communities. But I think that this, this quote from the article applies to the whole topic of inclusion um, and just shows you the, the, the position of the Presbyterian Mission Agency and, and the wide variety of, of what they offer in terms of inclusive resources. So this quote by Eric Carter says, belonging is rooted in relationships. Having people in our lives who know us, like us, accept us, need us, miss us, and love us is at the heart of well-being. And I've given so many specific examples or practices because I don't want inclusion to seem like this mysterious, huge topic. But also it's, it's a holistic, it's a, a whole person activity that's rooted in conversation and relationships and love. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that is a great place to bring us kind of to to rest uh, in this episode is, is it is a holistic place of love, the work of inclusion. And something that's been kind of heavy in my heart the last several days is thinking of the ways in which communities don't necessarily engage in inclusion and there's a uh, content creator who princesses for a living um and and for those that don't know princessing is someone who dresses up as a disney princess and goes into a school or a community or to a birthday party or a library to read and they bring into it the the spirit and energy of of a disney princess and, and all of the work that they do is to lift up and empower children to uh, be their best selves. That's the best way to, for me to sum it up. Um, but this content creator um, is a, a lesbian and, and she lives in a state where they were working to pass a anti-drag law, which would cover her. Um, but also as a lesbian, she had been said, well, why don't you just move somewhere safer, somewhere better? And she said in this video that she put out, you know, that's just not fair because I am just as much an, uh, a citizen of this state, of this community, of this place, as anyone who doesn't identify as I do. And when we don't consider, when we don't consider inclusion in our churches, in our worshiping communities, in our, our homes, our communities, we are telling people who belong there, who live there, that we don't value them and we don't love them. And I, I, I really love that you phrased it that way, a holistic way of loving people. So thank you for highlighting that. Um, do you have, as we, we sort of wrap this up, do you have any other thoughts, comments, anything you would like to lift up and highlight? Just encouragement for 
all people, because this applies to everyone, we all have areas in our lives where certain things are more accessible to us, easier to us. We all have some kind of privilege. And wherever your identity gives you privilege, um, you can use your voice in, in that way. I can use my voice as a person who is not disabled to be a better ally and advocate when I'm in a room of people that um, are not always thinking about those needs. Um, but also I'm only able to be ordained in my church denomination because of straight allies who raise their own voices on behalf of identities like mine. So wherever your identity gives you any kind of privilege, just know that your voice is valued. That's, that's a responsibility that I just hope and pray all people will practice to the best of their ability and continue relying on God to reform, reshape us, make us better, make us more inclusive, and ultimately make us more like Christ. Wonderfully and beautifully said, my friend. Well, Amy, Cernilia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing all of your resources and knowledge and thoughts and beliefs with us today. Thank you so much for giving me this chance to talk about something that I'm so passionate about. Absolutely. And hopefully we will have you back at another time soon. That sounds great. Thank you, Nathaniel. Thank you. Well, for all those who are listening down in the show notes is all the contact for the podcast. And I will link at least the resources, if not to an article about uh, as many of the resources as we can remember from what we talked about today. Um, please reach out. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode or anything in the past. And especially if there's something you would like expanded upon in the future, or maybe that Amy can come back on and explore in a different way in the future with us. We would love to have that conversation. And anything that you would like us to talk about just in general in the future, please reach out in the show notes. As always, I hope you are doing well. Know that God loves you so much, and there is nothing that you or anyone else can do about that. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.